Welcome to Around the Writer's Table, a podcast focusing on the crossroads of creativity, craft, and conscious living for writers of all ages and backgrounds. Your hosts are Gina, Melody, and Kim Boo, three close friends and women of a certain age who bring to the table their eclectic backgrounds and unique perspectives on the trials, tribulations, and the joys of writing. So pull up a chair and get comfortable here around the writer's table. Hey y'all, it's Kimbu. Welcome back to Around the Writer's Table. This is episode 20. We are coming back around to the creativity cycle. Uh, this is a the next stage it's called releasing we're going to go into a lot of detail on that if you have no idea what i'm talking about please go back to episode 19 uh we go in a lot more detail over what the creativity cycle is it's a method that gina has come up with and refined to help authors work their way through the cycles of creativity so as i said we're going to be talking about the next stage in that which is releasing I, of course, am Kim Boo. I'm a romance novelist and former project manager who helps writers and solopreneurs find time, mojo, and motivation to create. I am here with my lovely co-hosts. We're all awake, which is a triumph. It's been a, a long week for all of us, I think. Uh, but Gina, want to give yourself a little bit of a shout out? Sure. I'm Gina Edwards. Uh, glad to have you listeners here with us today. I am passionate about supporting women. Uh, and finding their voices, particularly on the page. I'm a creativity coach and editor. And I am also here, of course, with Melody A. Scout, who has been spending a lot of time outdoors lately, going into summer. Melody, what's up with you? Give us an intro. Hey, thank you all listeners for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us today. I'm Melody A. Scout, and I help my clients find their sense of home by restoring balance and harmony to their lives through plant spirit medicine and my book, Soul of the Seasons. I've been outside this week because I'm also a landscape designer and it's been busy. Busy, yeah, because we're here in North Florida and we're starting to go into summer and things grow riotous around this time of year. Wee! So since we are talking, yeah, no, <laughs> rain, weeds, like all of yes. it. Yeah, my dog, uh, we just got out of what I call the briar season because uh, the briars have been coming up and getting stuck in my dog's very cottony fur. Hmm. So uh, I'm, I'm glad to see those grow away and my dog not stopping every three feet to gnaw on her paws. But okay, that's enough about my dog. I can talk about her the whole time. We are here to talk about the creativity cycle, the next stage, which is release. So Gina, come on in and give us a little bit more about how what this is and how it affects writers in our uh, creative life. So the creative cycle is something that is a result of the work that I have done both on myself uh, and with my clients uh, through editing and creativity coaching and just sort of seeing the um, things that we experience as writers, the way that we navigate the creative process in both elegant and not so elegant ways, um, the trials and tribulations and, and all of that. We went into sort of a overview of the 10, what I call stages of the cycle 
there are 10 stages, but they're not necessarily experienced by the creator or the writer in any particular order. Um, there are certain stages that just naturally lead to others. And so that's sort of the uh, order that we're speaking about them in. And so we did an overview of the cycle in episode 18. And then our last episode, 19, we did a discussion of inner disquiet. Uh, that's the first oh, stage. Oh, I, I got that, we... that wrong on the intro. Oh, that's okay. I, I, I said 19 was the overview. So yeah, 18 is the overview. 19 is carrying inner disquiet. I yes. stand corrected. So no, no that. problem. No problem. So on the on the episode 18, where we talk about the overview, um, and also with each of these stages that we're going to be talking about, there is a graphic that uh, lists out all the stages. So if you want a little kind of follow along with us, you can uh, download that image and then each one of the stages is going to have its own worksheet. So the last time we talked about inner disquiet and this uh, episode, we're going to go into the next stage, which I call releasing. And in a nutshell, it is basically a willingness to do something about the inner disquiet but in order to give some reference point for our, maybe for our new listeners and a reminder for those of you who did hear the last episode, I want to talk a little bit about inner disquiet. So that stage comes from an unsatisfied creative longing. So it's this urge to create that hasn't been answered and it can show up in several ways. So we talked in the last episode about feeling the disquiet, but not necessarily being fully aware of the source. And I told a little story in episode 19 about my husband recognizing it before I did. So you can go back and listen to that if you'd like. Uh, another way that the inner disquiet shows up is when we have maybe an idea or a specific project that we want to work on, but life won't let it happen. And so we know that we want to create, but we can't. There might be, you know, a death in the family, a birth, a new job. So the inner disquiet can show up in those two ways, but there's actually a third variety of discomfort. And that's when we know consciously that we have this unfulfilled creative urge and we have a project or an idea. And we could do something about it, but we don't. And we might even use life in air quotes as our excuse not to. So that particular variety of discomfort is when the releasing stage can be the most helpful. So what does releasing mean? Releasing is, like I said, a willingness to do something about the discomfort it can be a releasing of resistance, which is a big thing in that third scenario I mentioned where we've got the project and we know we want to do it, but we don't. So resistance, it might be releasing clutter, um, distractions of all manner. I say it's also a releasing of nouns, people, places, things. <laughs> And that can look different for, for different people. It can be anything from reorganizing your office to beginning a new project and everything that's in between. Um, 
sometimes this stage can be something like opening the cap, uh, uh, opening the bottle of a, of a soda, you know, that's been shaken and just, you know, because all of these memories and experiences and the wealth of things that we have to draw on when we're writing can, can come to the surface because we're letting go of the things that have been hindering us. And some, we may still have a, like a lot of craft left to be learned, but there's this um, just excitement about all the possibility And sometimes it can be a really heady stage, especially if you're a new writer and all these things are coming up for you. And even if you're an experienced author, the excitement of a new project. So it's, it can be this, this stage can feel a lot like falling in love sometimes. If the person has- kind of a neat way to put it. Yeah. It's, it's really a a very heady stage. It can be when Mm. we are not, this is a little ironic, when we're not resistant to the releasing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If the person has been in this uh, creative process before, sometimes this stage might get skipped. And I'm not going to say a whole lot about that yet. It'll probably come up organically in the rest of our conversation. So I want to find out from each of you ladies here co-hosting with me. Now that you've sort of heard the definition of releasing, I'd just like to kind of talk a little bit about how that might show up for you. And I don't think we can talk about it without also thinking about how inner disquiet shows up for us. So just how does releasing show up for you when you are ready for that stage? Melody, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, releasing uh, is to me uh, coincides with the season of fall, which is a season of letting go. We're going to talk about that more in episode 21, but that I can, I, I don't have, as far as my writing craft goes, I don't have a problem revising, letting go of passages, letting go of some. Some people find that difficult to let go of uh-huh. any part yeah. of what they have written. It becomes <laughs> precious. And I understand that. It's hard one. Writing doesn't, you know, come easy, the craft. So, but I don't have a problem with that. What I would have more problem of is releasing my resistance to welcoming in the next phase. Mm. So releasing a particular part of the writing process. And that is uh, that fun in love stage for me, which is like the first draft and everything's popping off and going great. Um, It's hard to let go of that is so much fun for me and a lot of other writers too. It's all our creativity and everything's firing on all cylinders and then it feels like we have to go back into drudgery uh, when we start the revision process. So maybe letting go of those little endorphin hits about popping off all these things is is part of what challenges me in releasing into the next phase or season of my writing process. So it sounds like you are um, 
describing me. <laughs> there is we are not sure alone. No, yeah, right. No one else relates to this no. at all, Melody. Like, no, you're in a, you're in a vacuum completely. There's a definite headiness to starting a new project, mm-hmm. and that headiness can often keep us from finishing. You know, because it's like, oh. It's squirrel syndrome, you know, it's the shiny object thing. There's something new. There's something that's maybe more exciting than the thing that now I have maybe drafted and have to do the hard work of revision on. Let's just move on to this next new project and let me stay in that sort of heady state and not finish. Mm-hmm. It's all shiny and pretty. And I know. <laughs> the, the new ideas, new ideas. Yeah. I'm sure Gina has no experience with that right now. No. <laughs> calling her out a little bit for me i so i was thinking as you were talking you know what the release is and when i come in through the inner disquiet where i have an idea i want to get out and i want to share the release really comes from for me releasing control because i'm a discovery writer and it's very tempting for me to just try to create an outline or try to decide what's going to happen in advance i usually have a general concept and oftentimes when i write i do write according to beats such as you know the hero's journey or save the cat or whatever fits that particular story but i get so excited about it i want to know what happens right and so i'm like well if i can just figure out what happens and then i can write it that's that's really not a good way for me to go. I have to release the idea that I can completely, con- I don't want to say control the story because we're writers, you know, we do control the story, but I want I have to let release the idea that I can control the creative process. Because even if I'm following beats, even if I have an idea of how the story is going to end, I need to just rely and trust my instincts as a writer for that first draft to just follow it through and, and stop trying to like micromanage myself, mm. which is ironic. I, I do not relate well to micromanaging in any context from anybody. <laughs> and yet I do it to myself. Most of all, like, I don't get it. What are brains? But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but when it comes to releasing, that's what I, I was thinking of. It's like releasing my control over the, the creative process. That's where releasing is, is tough for me. So do you have any tactics for, because you're obviously fully consciously aware of this need to release that. Do you have any tactics to help you get over that, to lean in? You know, we've, yeah, we've talked recently, Gina and I have talked, had a couple of conversations about bravery and courage and one of the things that my father always taught me, he, he was an Air Force officer and he flew in World War II and, and uh, Korea and Southeast Asia, aka Vietnam. And one of his things was, you know, feel the fear and do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things is when I'm really getting into that stage where I'm holding myself back because I'm trying to control what the output will be, I really just have to, you know, sternly talk to myself and say, you can do that, but first write 500 words of the next scene. Mm. You know, I, I give myself permission to exercise that control, but I'm like, okay, do that later. Do right now, write 500 words of the next scene. And I'm not saying that always works, but sometimes that really helps me get over the hurdle of trying to like throttle 
the process. It's mm-hmm. just like, okay, you can do that. Yeah. But first. Yeah. Yeah. That that really reminds me. I can relate to that, Kimbu, because I I find myself trying to force either the storyline or the character because mm-hmm. I came up with this idea in the beginning about this is how my characters are going to be. This is how the story's going to go. And then, you know, midway through, I just realized that in the novel I'm working on, midway through, like, yeah, that's a great idea, <laughs> but that's not going to work in this story. So now what are you going to do? So I, I don't know what I'm going to do yet about it, but I at least come to the spot that I'm not <laughs> shoehorning this particular uh, story passage into my story. And I th- I kind of want to cycle back to as well, uh, Melody, when you're talking about having to release some of the ideas that you had, because my latest release, which is one I'm releasing on my subscription platform right now, is The Queen's Aire, and it's a fantasy romance, a policy, polyamorous fantasy romance. And the, the instigation for that story was a scene, a very dramatic scene. I'm not going to be spoiler in case there's, you know, 0.01% of our audience wants to go read it, but uh, it was a very dramatic scene. It was on a beach. It was, it was in the middle of a war and it was just super dramatic. And that was the first scene I wrote. And then when I actually got to that scene in the course of writing the story, it did not fit at all. Mm. <laughs> like nothing of that scene lived in that story anymore. And I had to let go of it. I just had like, there was no place to put it. There was nothing I could do with it. The big dramatic you know, moment that I had created and crafted for the story as I wrote it needed to be different. And so, yeah, that one hurt. I, I had to release that one and it's still sitting on my hard drive somewhere, but I can't use it anywhere. It's just not, there's nothing for it. Accepting mm-hmm. that that scene was the spark. <laughs> That's true. It really was the spark. It was the idea and, you know, it was 2000 words of a, of a great scene, mm-hmm. but I had to let it go. I had to release it because mm-hmm. it just didn't fit the story that I ended up writing. Well, and that shows us how inner disquiet cycles around again, Mm. because even though we have this great idea from the beginning, it's like, yeah, it's not happening. Mm -hmm. Our characters are like, nope, that's not going to (laughs) happen in this story. Maybe another story, but not this one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I know that for me, one of the things that I have to guard in this stage one of the things i have to pay attention to uh is releasing clutter uh in order for me to open the floodgates of creativity in order for me to step into the process uh clutter is a big barrier and so what do you what do you what do you what is clutter for you in that situation can I show you a picture of my desk? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Gina, you're going to take a picture of your desk and we're going to put it on the website when we post this episode. Oh, <laughs> shit. Uh, yeah. Do we, all, do we all have to do that? I think we might we, all have to You know to what? Do we all have to do that. Yes, Let's not put I think Gina so. on the spot. Yeah, we will all you. have to take a picture of our desks and when we talk about clutter. So when our, yeah. our yeah. listeners, they can have a visual guide to exactly I do, what we mean. I do have to say, 
say that I have a great excuse. You know, I've been planning for this uh, writing retreat that we just completed. And so uh, everything was a whirlwind before I left. But honestly, to come back to that wanting so desperately after having spent five wonderful days at the beach with women writing, wanting to stay in that writing mode, but I have all this clutter around me. So I really do, you know, I do consider it a releasing when I reorganize, when I get everything into a more orderly state, my mind is more orderly. And so over Mm -hmm. the next few days, I will be releasing the clutter so that I can make room for my muse to step in in its place. (laughs) (laughs) Especially coming back from the beach house, because if, if listeners don't know, Gina does these retreats regularly, and it's at a beautiful beach house at a place here in Florida called the St. George Island, and it's and it's just so peaceful, and you can hear the the, the waves, and it's just, yeah, I can imagine coming back to your cluttered mm-hmm. desk. It's just culture shock yeah. at this point. It's, it's a very orderly place. It's very very uncluttered and spacious. And that's like the opposite of what my office is right now. <laughs> Likewise, my desk looks like in a file cabinet exploded mm. on it. And I will agree that the, you know, I can actually have a fair tolerance for some clutter and still be able to function and get some stuff done. But there is a point like that. It's like, no, nope, no. Nope. It just makes my brain hurt to look at it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And because I think the mind wants to go, oh, that all of that needs your attention. And I don't have the bandwidth to give it all my attention. And so then I probably, you know, eat chocolate and go watch Netflix (laughs) for a couple of hours. But it does that, that calm, that clean orderliness calms the mind mm-hmm. and does. yeah which is helpful to me so so thinking about our nouns the people places and things are there any other things that in order to make way for the muse in order to fully step into the creative process that you feel like you have to release anything else come to mind hmm, that's a good question um i'm i'm single i live alone i i don't really have anybody in my space, which I think a lot of other writers have to deal with, whether it's a, a spouse, other family members, children, uh, or, you know, heaven forbid, their, their college students living in a dorm room or something awful like that. Um, I, I do think that one of the things as I've gotten older, I've gotten much more conscious about, and I think it's a factor of getting older rather than a personality thing is scheduling my my time with other people instead of trying to rely on uh just people dropping by or just you know having free time and i know that's not quite what you were talking about as far as releasing goes people place nouns um but it has affected me in the sense that uh sometimes i've had to let i guess i guess what i've had to let go of is spontaneity that's really what i'm getting at Mm. um I, I need time to write. I need time to be creative and just saying, well, you know, I'll go hang out with friends or I'll just work on this project or do this. And then eventually I'll get around to writing. Yeah. Um, spontaneity is something I've had to let go of in that sense. I can't just wait till I'm in the mood. I have to schedule my writing. You yeah. know, you can schedule spontaneity, <laughs> which true. seems oxymoronic, moronic, but <laughs> you know, I find if I don't schedule 
myself the time and space to have that downtime, to Mm -hmm. talk with friends, to re-nourish myself and do self-care. I, there's nothing that bubbles up. You know, the new creativity doesn't come because it's just, I'm always just juggling balls in the air and keeping them all going all at the same time. And that's no space for creativity. So scheduling time for that is for me, I have to put it in pen on my calendar (laughs) because I'll often like, I'm too busy. I can't do that now, but it just nourishes me every time I'm reminded how much that nourishes me. So it sounds to me like both of you are um, describing in slightly different ways, the need to release overscheduling ourselves. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> yeah. It's, and, yeah. and in, in, ju- in conjunction with that right now, my pay the rent business, my, you know, landscape design business is going balls to the wall. And I am grateful for that. I'm liking that income. I love my clients. It leaves zero, little to zero time for uh, creativity as far as my writing goes. But I had to be okay with that because it is a seasonal thing. Mm -hmm. And soon it's going to lighten up and I just need to put my attention on that when I'd rather be, you know, writing and in doing all that fun stuff. So I have to be okay that my schedule is what it is for right now. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Knowing what you need when you need it. Mm-hmm. What you need to do mm-hmm. when you need to do mm-hmm. it. <laughs> That's the definition of self-care. Uh, self-care. <laughs> so to kind of, um, bring us full circle. One of the, one of the early things I mentioned about releasing was resistance and, and Melody mentioned this and resistance has been a huge one for me. And I have found a lot of really great advice in a book by Stephen Pressfield called the war of Mm. art. So we will put that in our show notes, but that's one listeners. If you have not investigated, it's a very short book. You can almost read it in one sitting, but for me, the usefulness of it has been having it close by and just being able to randomly open up a page and, and read an entry from time to time when I'm sort of feeling that resistance come up. I highly yeah, recommend I, as well. That's yeah, same here. I, I like the way he um, kind of anthropomorphizes resistance, mm-hmm. which you may or may not believe that it's a real energy, but uh, as, as a distinct thing like a, a demon or something, but it, it really helps his approach to it really helps. I think solidify, not solidify, but helps show how we do have power over it. Um, yeah. Cause resistance can be so insidious, right? Like, yes. but it is in a lot of ways, an internal demon. Ooh, ooh, what a great writing exercise. Um, I do this in plant spirit medicine a lot with people if there is an issue or problem or particular state of mind that you've had some resistance around or difficulty with, create uh, a being. So if you're like released, a yes, yep, a character. If releasing is a character, what does it look like? Hmm. How does it stand? 
Mm. What is its attitude? And and make this specifically to you in your life. What does this look like? How does it move through my life? What does it have to tell me? What do I need to tell it? Mm. That is a really cool exercise. I like and that. Can get a, a, a way to not only understand, but maybe connect more with our motivations and our desires around uh, releasing. So I know that we're going to have worksheets on each of these stages. Um, and what we're going to do as far as the structure of our discussion about the stages is that we will focus on the, the particular stage in the creative cycle. And then in the next episode, we're going to relate that particular stage that we just talked about to the seasons, which we've discussed in previous episodes with Melody. And we will refer you back to the relationships that these stages have to the seasons. So I'm suggesting, Melody, that you and I get together to talk about the worksheet for episode 21, which is our next one upcoming, and uh, see how we can incorporate that exercise that you just talked about into the worksheet. I love that. Yeah. And that sounds like a great idea to wrap up on for this episode. What are we doing? So we're doing for the next episode 21, we're doing releasing, we're talking about the season. And then, so what's the next stage after that, Gina? The next stage after that, which we're going to be talking about in episode 22, is called emulating and mirroring. And this, in a nutshell, is basically when we look to our mentors for for inspiration and for learning. It's very much a muscle building and beginner's mind stage. And we'll talk about the good and the bad of that, the challenges and the the feel-good parts as well. Um, So that will be the next stage that we'll talk about in episode 22. But first, before we go into episode 22, we will have episode (laughs) 21, which is our next one. And in in that episode... (laughs) Kimbu and I are like, what happened to 21? Okay. <laughs> I thought she already talked about 20. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's as we told everybody, it's been a long week. It's been a long week for all of us. good. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So, listeners, join us for episode 21 when we're going <laughs> to touch again on releasing, but in the context of the seasons, which is Melody's specialty. Mm-hmm. So, I'm looking forward to that. And just as a reminder, we'll have a worksheet. Uh, for this particular stage, uh, along with this episode and the show notes and the transcripts on our website, which is aroundtheriderstable.com. And you can listen to old episodes there as well. We hope you'll join us there. Thanks for joining us around the writer's table. Please feel free to suggest a topic or a guest by emailing info at aroundtheriderstable.com. Music provided with gracious permission by Langtree. A link to their music is on our homepage at AroundTheWritersTable.com. Everyone here around the Writers Table wishes you joy in your writing and everyday grace in your living. Take care until next time.